Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Woo! I like it. Man, so glad to have you back this week, our second week at DPCC, and we are excited about it. It's a, it's a really nice t- space, beautiful building. Uh, so, so glad you're here this morning. We are continuing our series on Strange Fire. So we're going to talk about what that means uh, and what that looks like. But the idea is basically in the Old Testament, there were some priests who entered the tabernacle, uh, the Mosaic tabernacle. So they had, they were just like us, they built, they were portable. And uh, they would build, not just like, um, our lights are, uh, well, they're persnickety today. But they're, they're, we, have, we have better lighting than they did. But, uh, but they would travel in the desert, the Egyptians, before they got to the promised land. They traveled, the tabernacle traveled with them wherever they went, and certain p- priests, the Levites, and that's, if you're, if you're the setup here, you're the Levites here, and uh, <laughs> it's a joke, um, and, and they would set it up and they would worship, but one day Aaron's sons brought something into to light, to light the incense, and they brought the wrong thing. We're going to read about it in a second, but basically God killed them in a moment. Uh, it's one of those portions of scripture you don't want to talk about, like, God did that, but let's not talk about it. Well, we, we, we talk about the Bible here, we believe what it says. Um, and and there, that also happened in the New Testament. Some people, there's some Christians who are like, well, well that was the Old Testament, but, but the New Testament, you know, God is nicer now. Okay, well, well we, we've won, God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. But two, that also happened in the New Testament uh, with Ananias and Sapphira. They brought an offering that wasn't what they were supposed to bring, okay? And, and, and they died right in the presence of God and before the apostles too, which, uh, which man, that is, a, that is a rough board meeting. That day that happens, and, and, and God kind of shows up, and, and what happened is the idea of this strange fire, that's, that's, that's the term. They brought something before God that was not meant to be. And we talked last week about, specifically, we started with Christianity, but we're going to talk about different world religions, how the idea is there's some things we can move and, and mix on, and other things we don't mix with our belief system. We don't move on, right? There's the open-handed, closed-handed issues. One guy said it this way, there are things we can receive, things we have to reject, and other things we can redeem, okay? So, for example, you know, we, we talk about, Halloween, right? And there's, there's some believers who are like, that's the devil's day. And some of you are like, that's weird, and I've never heard that before. And then there's some of you who are like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I think. So, so there are things we can receive, reject, redeem, right? So uh, the truth is, I hope you receive October 31st as a day, because if not, you're dead, right? Because you're alive that day, so, so you can't reject the day, right? It's got, the devil doesn't get any days on the calendar uh, as far as believers. So we can receive that, and we can, is there anything wrong with co- costumes or candy? No, but what we can reject is saying, you know, we don't celebrate death and gore and things like that or anything that would be representing the demonic. Those are things that we reject. So we can take something, do an outreach with it, redeem it, uh, and, and so what we can receive, reject, redeem. Well, the same thing's true with God, his presence, his people, and what we believe. There are some things we can say that's good, that's bad, uh, and, and this, is, this is maybe neither, but we can turn it for good. Or we can say, I don't know if we can turn that for good. So those are things that we have to figure out, and we have to understand that when it comes to reaching people. We have to understand that God saves us out of something. God says, are, are we in the world? Yes. Do we become super weird that nobody ever wants to talk to us? That's not a thing we should really do, right? The world shouldn't turn running from us. They should want what we have, which is Jesus, right? 
But at the same time, there are some things that, like, if, if everybody works like, hey, we're all going to go do shots and get plastered at the end of the day, that might be a moment where you're like, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't join you in that. You know, can, can you have a drink? Sure. But you can also say, but I can't get drunk with you. There, there's a line for me that I have to reject that. Okay, when somebody says, well, you know, Buddhism and Christianity are the same. That's what we lovingly, no, no, they're not. They're very different belief systems. And we're going to continue to talk about that today. It's something we don't mix with, understand. And today we're going to talk about Islam. But before we do that, uh, I want to talk to you, uh, I want to start with a story that happened when I was young. When I was, uh, I, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 12 years old, I was up at Noah's Ark in the Dells. Uh, anybody here ever been to Noah's Ark, Wisconsin Dells? Uh, just a few of you? Wow. Yeah, yeah, my Wisconsin people know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Uh, if you haven't, I don't understand how you grew up here. It's weird. Like, that's, it's required that at least twice in your childhood you go to the Dells for vacation. So if not, you know, talk to your parents, get some counseling. And so we went to, we went to uh, Noah's Ark for, for vacation. I was like 10 or 12. And normally, right, you go in the big wave pool, they have two wave pools, okay? They have, I forget the name of the smaller one because it's trash and nobody likes it. And then there's the big one, Big Kahuna, okay? And the Big Kahuna is exactly what it says it is. Most people get in the Big Kahuna with rafts. But me and my friends got to that middle age, that, uh, that middle school age, don't you know middle school is just the best ages, right? The kids are the most well-behaved. They're the smartest they've ever been. Uh, and, uh, and, and not awkward in any way, right? Um, and I was just normal middle school boy, just obnoxious. Uh, I, I didn't like myself then either. And so, so we have this brilliant idea. He's like, let's go in there, but let's do it without rafts, and it'll be amazing. And we did it, so I'm like, this is great. This is great. And uh, the waves, you know, and we, of course, get as close to the thing. You know, this is back in the 80s, early 90s, where, you know, we didn't parent our children. We just let them go do things, you know. Uh, we didn't lifeguard things. You know, if it's like if you got sucked into the jets, it's your own fault, kid. That's, that's how it went, right? Um, you know, and the park had the same policy, you know. You'd lose in court. So, so we got as close to as, as you possibly could. But... But this time, something went wrong. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know what, but all of a sudden, the waves in that wave pool like beco started becoming too much for me. And they were crashing down on me. And, and anybody here, and if you've ever been in the ocean, you really know, you ever had like waves just begin to crash, and you, it's like you can't get up over them. You can't get ahead of them. That's what was happening to me uh, at, at 12. And I remember... Like coming and like gasping for air. And I remember the lifeguard, and you know, the guy's probably, you know, 18, barely, uh, and 14 in his mindset. And I remember him just staring at me, <laughs> just thinking, yeah, I need help. <laughs> this is not going well. Um, can you not tell that, that the water's winning? Do you not see this? And I just remember over and over, and finally just like, I need to get out of here. And, and worked my way, and there's a sea of people. So it's like I'm kind of drowning, kind of swimming, and I finally get to the side. I lived, just spoiler alert. And, and, and I finally get to the side. I get to a ladder, and I hold on, and I finally catch my breath. I climb out, and I stand on the side, and I was, you know, just like, what, what in the world? Why did nobody help me? Why did nobody save me? Why did nobody reach out a hand to rescue me? And I, I kid you not, I mean, I... There are times in your life when you hear the voice of God, and you just know, and this is one of those moments, and I heard the whisper of the Lord say to me, Brian, that's what I did for you. When nobody could save you, that's what I did. I rescued you where you were drowning. And it was a picture of what Jesus did for me in that moment like I never understood in my life. It was like God took this moment, had his hand on me, just so he could speak something to me. And I remember even finding my parents like, God spoke this to me. God spoke this to me. And they're like, all right, that's great. You know, that's good. But, but I remember it was like this moment for me. It was like sealed into my heart. God said, this is what he does for the lost person, for the unbeliever. 
for those who say he's not real. He's not, no, he, he rescued us from death. He saved us when nobody else would. And the truth is, a lot of people like that life, like everybody's drowning. Most people don't even know it. Most people don't know they're lost. But the problem is, for us as believers now, when we try to save people from drowning, we've, mistaken, we've mistakenly tried to swim with them instead of save them from what they're in. We've mixed up things that were not meant to be mixed up. And I'm not talking about lights and stuff. Like, obviously, we believe in, in music that's loud and lights and, and videos. We're fine with all that. I'm talking about what we believe. And there are things we don't move on ever. And we don't, it's not that we're obstinate and jerks about what we don't move on. Like, this is what we believe. Suck it. Like, that's not our position. That's not who we are. But it's saying, no, I'm sorry, this, I can meet you here and go no further. Because that water's toxic. That water kills people. That water makes us drown. I got over it. I got back in the wave pool eventually. I was fine. But, but so many people do that now. If we go to that section of scripture, Leviticus 10.10, we'll read it again. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire. Another version says strange fire, different than he commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I'll display my holiness through those who come near me. I'll display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Imagine in a moment, you're, you just watched your kids die, and you know why they died. And then your brother's standing there saying, I told you so. <laughs> Not a great moment. But notice Aaron doesn't be like, shut up, Moses. Says Aaron's silent, like he understood. There was something in that moment where the holiness of God was so present. God's holiness was bigger even than his grief. There's something to that. We need to revere and honor God's holiness more than we even hurt for somebody who's lost. We need to see God as holy and different and set apart and not like anything else on earth. And when we do that to win the world, to see people come to know Jesus, I think we're going to be on a lot safer ground. We're not going to mix things that we shouldn't. That being said, we do need to understand where they're coming from. We do need to know where lost people are coming from. And we're meant to go, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go into all the world. Jesus told us to do it. He didn't say stay away from the world, hide yourselves, be good Christians, listen to only Christian music, hang out with only Christians, you know. And then, and then you know, send all your kids to just Christian schools. You know, wear Christian clothing. Get Christian bumper stickers, Christian license plate liners, like, just do this. Like, that's what I want. No, he says, go into the world. Go. Go get them. Psalm 96.3, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he's done. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I just read it. I just told you about it, right? Go into all the world, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you and be sure I am with you always to the end of the age. You need to know something. In two weeks, Scott Hinkle's going to come here. If you've never heard of him, he, he is a world-renowned evangelist. He's an awesome man of God. 
And Andy's funny. He's really, he's really pretty funny. Um, if you're familiar with Andrew Womack Ministries, he's the head of evangelism for him now. Um, he's the guy who started a Mardi Gras outreach. He takes teams, and other teams have started it uh, over many years, but he's like the first who did it. Jen went with me one year. We went with Scott, and we went right into the French Quarter on Bourbon Street, just witnessing, sharing Christ uh, all up and down Bourbon Street in the middle of Mardi Gras. And he's been doing that for 40-plus years Uh, He used to be the evangelism pastor for Tommy Barnett's church, Phoenix First Assembly. And he is an evangelist. Like, he is a guy who can share his faith with anybody, anywhere, anytime. We're not all that, right? Okay, not all of us. Cece is that person, right? Uh, Jeremy's that person, right? There's some of you, like anyone, anywhere, you can just share your faith, you can pray for people. And then there's some of us who are like, "I, I would rather die. Like, Lord... Go ahead and kill me because I am not doing that, okay? But the truth is we're all called to share. We're all called to go. Some of us are called in the office of the evangelist, and some of us are just called to evangelize. We're not going to be the church that says, well, I don't like the word evangelize because it sounds like proselytize, and I don't like that. I don't care what it sounds like. Jesus said it. We're going to do it. Uh, That word's offensive. You know what? Being offended is not the worst thing that can happen to us. All right, we're going to move on. So, uh, all right. So we're all called to go. And here's the thing I want you to know, church. Thrive doesn't go, grow by me. I'm just not that sexy. I mean, I'm pretty sexy, but I'm not that sexy, okay? Okay? It, it just, Thrive Church grows by the church that goes. You reach people. You invite them. You pray over them. You, you lead them to Jesus. That's how this church becomes what it's meant to be. I'll go. There's people in this room I know who are here because of my wife and I reaching out to you. But there's a lot more of you here because somebody else did. That's what we're meant to do. The church doesn't grow by a personality. And if it does, then it only lasts as long as the personality does. And I just don't have that great of a personality. And we have to tell people. Some people are like, I witness by my life. Okay. Romans 10, 14. (laughs) How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go tell them without being sent? And that's why the scriptures say how beautiful are those are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So um, if you're like, well, I I I I have Christian t-shirts and sometimes I wear them. Uh, I have a cross, sometimes I pull it out. It's right here. And they see it sometimes. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Good. That's that's wonderful. Madonna did too, but that's a different conversation. Um, man, share. And I'm not saying all the time. You don't, we don't beat people with the gospel. We're not like, hey, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear? And if you're that person, great. I, I don't know how it's working for you, but great. Okay, but the rest of us share. What did Jesus do in your life? And some of you are like, well, but I don't know enough about the Bible. Okay, fine. What did he do in your life? Nobody can argue with God, what God did in your life. There's a lot of people who can argue the Bible, but they can't argue a change, transform life. Your job is, as a believer, one, love God. Second, love people. You are meant to share. And we're meant to share with those who are around us. One of the mistakes that Seeker Church makes is all about get them into church. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? He said go, not get them to come. There's nothing wrong with inviting people to church. There's nothing wrong with that. And is that a way to reach people? It's a way, but it's not the way. Now, some people with Thrive, it's easier to invite them here because they're like, oh, I don't step into church. No problem in my church because <laughs> we don't either, <laughs> ever, <laughs> right? It's been years since we've been in a church. But it's about you going. Can God meet you here at the altar in this building? Yes. 
And he can meet you in your closet and in your car and in your workplace, everywhere. God wants to show up everywhere in your life and move through your life. And it's, man, just, and I said this with the men last night, enough of the junior varsity of us being a church. Let's go get them. We are not a church trying to find its place. We're a church. End of conversation. We are meant to go reach people and make an impact. When the city has a need, often in this city, we get calls. When they're having events and they know somebody, huh? I got an email this week. By the way, Alan, this is a question for you. Don't answer me yet. But, uh, the, but Calvin Grove, the school that we met at for two and a half years, say, hey, we're going to do a movie event. Uh, we need your, could we borrow your FM transmitter again? I don't know where that is. Maybe you do. But, but, but things like that, they call on us to meet needs because we are a church that goes. God has done that. We are not mini church. We are not junior church. Let's not view it that way anymore. God is using this church in this city, in this region. Pray into it. Figure it out. But God is compelling us and calling you to go. Some of you are like, I just want to see Thrive get a building. Me too. But let's not make it about that, please. Let's not say Thrive will get to point X when we get Y. Did you know Saddleback Church, Rick Warren? You guys might have heard of him. He's a struggling pastor in the West Coast. Uh, that's an inside church joke. But, but that guy met in a school for 20 years. And I think they're going to make it. He is the best-selling book of all time outside of the Bible. Of all time. 20,000 plus people in his church. They have changed nations in Africa, and they were portable for years. It is not about where the people of God are, it is about where God is with his people. Man, let's go. Let's go get them. Go get them. I am telling you, church, go get them. And one of the people we need to go get who are surrounded in our, in our region now are the people of Islam. Muslims are all around us now. There is a giant mosque in Orland Park, but in numerous communities all around us, right? And as I'm prepping this message, I'm like, God, what, what do you want me to say? Like, how do I, how do I share? And, and, and I, I know some things. I wrote some stuff down. But God, how do we share our faith with these people? And sure enough, as I'm prepping and I'm finishing this message, a Muslim couple sits down right next to me at the place I'm, I'm right, typing up my message. And I'm like, All right, all right. Some of you are like, how do they know? How do you know they're Muslim? Well, when she has a full head covering, um, and, and they're Middle Eastern, it's a safe bet. Okay, and you're like, that's racist. It's, it's not, because <laughs> I didn't go up and say, you're Muslim, <laughs> okay? I went and said, hey, can I ask you a couple questions? And let me tell you who I am. And is this Okay. Guess what? They were Muslim. They were. Okay? So I'm sorry. So if that, if that bends your position, I'm sorry. But, but and, and I just shared with them for a minute, but more than that, I asked them questions. What would you want us to know? And I gave them my card, and they're like, thank you so much. No, we really appreciate it. Yeah, and, I'm, and he's like, and I'm going to be in touch. And we'll see. But in that moment, just a little bit of the gospel in their hearts, just a little bit of Jesus... And they know there are believers here that care about them in their lives. Just a little bit in that moment. Did you know Muslims are projected to be the fastest growing religious group in the world? Right now, Muslims to Christians in growth. More than double. Let me just say, Christians, believers, Thrive Church, we're not doing our job. That shouldn't scare you. That should break your heart. God's church isn't going to go anywhere. But when you see, we're not, we're not winning like we used to. Problem is, there are now Christians who are trying to win this whole people group. The, uh, this giant group of believers in Islam 
with Islam. And guess what? It doesn't work. Let me, let me explain. Let me just unpack for a minute. What do they believe? They, well, first, you should know they would refer to you and I as what they would call people of the book. So Jewish people, Christians, and Islam, they would call us people of the book. You see, they believe in our Old Testament up until Isaac and Ishmael the sons of Abraham, and then they believe much of the Old Testament happened in Ishmael's line, not Isaac's. So they believe a large portion, if not most, of our Old Testament, but from a different perspective. Muhammad was a, was a man who he believed gave, the angel Gabriel appeared to him on more than one occasion and revealed to him truths that nobody knew. What is that called? Strange fire. He mixed something that wasn't meant to be mixed. He believed he got something from God nobody else had gotten. Muhammad lived uh, about 500 years after the time of Christ. And uh, he was not a man of peace. Um, he did own slaves. Uh, and he, he, he lost some battles and he won some battles. Was he a great man? He did some great things, and he did some not great things. He was a human being. Now, to say that with Islam, that would be heresy. But here's the thing. Islam uh, is all about being 51% good. It really comes down to your good outweighing your bad. And then Allah is then the one who judges. What a lot of Christians do is say, oh, Allah, we're going to use that to try and win people who are, who are Islamic towards Jesus. The problem with that is Allah is not our God. And when you identify that with them, you're, you're trying to relate and say, oh, that's the God of the Old Testament. It's the same God. They just need to understand Jesus. No, they believe in Jesus. They believe he's a prophet. They do not believe he's the son of God because they believe that's polytheism. They're wrong. They don't understand the concept of the Trinity. But when you and I would relate to somebody and tell them Allah is the same as our God, you're lying to them. We are not telling them the truth. We believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yes, he's still the God of Ishmael, but it's not the same God. They believe in something that has left the scriptures, that became, a, and when we say what we believe in the same Old Testament God, first, you're actually, unintentionally, we're talking down to them in an attempt to reach them. It's actually rather condescending. It's, it's, it's kind of like saying, you need help, therefore let me give you money. And sometimes people do need that, but often that's a hindrance more than it is a help if they're not good with it. You know what I mean? Are you following me? Are you with me? Revelation twenty two eighteen says this, I solemnly declare everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what's written here, God will add to that person plagues described in this book. If anyone adds to words of words from this book of prophecy removes, God will, that, uh, God will remove that person's life and in the holy city that are described in this book. God is not okay with the idea of what happened with Muhammad, just so you know. Now, did Muhammad see something? Was he making something up? Was he, was he a charlatan? Was he a good man and he, and he saw something? I don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. What we know is a world religion started. The Quran was then pieced piece together by different scribes later on. It was not, some of it was written by Muhammad. It was not put together by him. It was put together later on. They believe in Jesus. They even believe Jesus is the virgin birth. They do not believe he is the son of God. We believe Jesus is God. We believe he has always been. John 1.1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And through him, all things were created. When we say, you, believe, you and I believe in the same Old Testament God, you are 
unintentionally removing the deity of Jesus in your witness, and you just left the faith in that statement. We cannot make that statement. And if you believe you can, you are incorrect. Let's not do it. Do they believe something? They believe in some. They have some commonality. They have some commonality. They have, uh, Islam, you should know, they believe, here's, here's a main thrust of what they believe. They believe in five pillars. It's called the five pillars of Islam. All right? One, the shahada. It's their statement of uh, faith. Okay, that means there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. And you're supposed to speak this several times a day. Now in comparison, do we profess our faith numerous times a day? It's interesting how much level of commitment other belief systems outside of Christianity have that we don't. Number two, the Salat. That's praying five times a day towards Mecca. Now there are, just like, just like in Christianity, there are many sects and different groups of, Christ, of Islam. There's Shiite, there's Sunni, and then there's level of, levels of commitment, right? Just like we know people who call themselves a Christian. Oh yeah, where do you go to church? Well, I don't, you know, I don't go to church. You know. Are there people who say they're Islam but they're not really practicing? You bet. But those who are devout, who are orthodox, they pray five times a day. How many of us pray five times a day? Some of you are like, I pray way more than that. Good for you. A lot of Christians are like, Holy Spirit, amen. Right? We don't seek God's face throughout the day. Okay, number three, zakat, almsgiving, 2.5%. Most Muslims give this. The church in America says 10%, which is a lot. Right? Not in America. The church, period, says 10%. That's what God says, tithe, Old Testament. You're like, I don't give that. Relax. Nobody's taking attendance on your giving. Okay? Um, At least I'm not. But that's what God asks for. So uh, is God asking for more? You bet. You bet. Our, Our God asks for more. However, less of our people give it. I don't know what the statistics are on Islam, but I believe their giving is quite a bit higher. They say if something like... If, if, if 100% of the giving happened from Christians of 10%, we would have more money in the church than we knew what to do with. We could feed everybody who's poor, uh, poor and without food. We could clothe everybody. But we don't give like that. So is their giving better? I, I'm going to guess it is. Number four, Ramadan. So they spend every, it's their holiest time of year. It's a month they spend fasting till evening, till sundown. How many of us, we have never, ever fasted in our Christian walk ever in our life? (laughs) And if you do, you're like, okay, I'll fast Facebook. (laughs) Like, (laughs) all right, that's fine. Try food just once. Try food for one day once. And you're like, I'll die. You won't. You won't. Look at me. Believe me. And I can, if I can do it, you can do it. Okay? You're like, you don't look like you fast. I know I don't look it, but I do, okay? And, I, I, and I've succeeded more than once, many, many times, okay? Now, there are people with dietary restrictions. I know in this day and age, we've got to qualify everything we say, like, I have this disease and low blood sugar, and if I fast, for, uh, relax, okay? You figure it out with God. I'm not going to tell you. But, and again, but notice the looseness. We don't ever have to fast. They have to. There might be a reason why they're growing and Christianity is not. And number five, Hajj. Okay, this is every year. uh, Some do go every year. Some at least once in their lifetime. There should be a pilgrimage to Mecca. This is a shot or a picture of the holiest city. Is considered the holiest city. Uh, and, and the worship place of Mecca. I believe the term there for the thing in the center is the Kaaba. Am I right? Is that right? I think so. Does anyone remember? I had it memorized. Thank you. Am I right? Okay, so, uh, and that's considered like a holy place, and that was where Muhammad 
possibly, they, they say he prayed, um, but you're supposed to pilgrimage there, and then you circle the building uh, six or seven times, um, and, and, and th- you're supposed to do this at least once in your life. And it's considered the holiest of holy places. The second city that's the holiest place is Jerusalem. Some of us have never even been on a mission trip. Most of us can't get out of bed to go to church. You have. It's not on you, so relax, okay? All right? But how many of us, like, the level of commitment to believe something. Now, some of you are like, well, are you going to talk about terrorism and things like that? The truth is, um, the truth is, a, a large majority of Islam is, is very mixed on that. The vast majority, no, they're not, they're not terrorists. They don't believe in that. They don't think that way. And many, if not most, believe, they believe in the evangelization of Islam. Don't, just like we believe in the evangelization of, evangelization of Christianity, they believe in the spread of Islam. They believe in taking over government and cities and nations, but not necessarily by force. There are some, most, matter of fact, it's even quoted in, in one video, will take over Europe simply just by outpopulating them. And they are. Because they have more children. Far more. So what can we do? You're like, Brian, this all seems like not great news. <laughs> right? So they have doctrine. They have, they have strong morality. Am I, is that fair to say? Anybody know somebody who's, who's Muslim or uh, Islamic, right? Their families stay together. As a rule, right? For the most part, their marriages stay together. Their people stay together. They have children and quite a bit, and they consider them a blessing. They're probably more elite. They definitely have a better marriage rate than Christians do at this point. So what do we do? Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but first take a look at this video. It's kind of a neat story. But the people I've primarily worked with have come to faith in Christ through dreams and visions. I enjoy asking them, how do you know it's Jesus? What does he look like? Because how is it that they can come from the kind of background that they come from and they have a dream and they recognize Jesus? How how does that happen? He's just a prophet, right? So what's happening in the dream that's causing them to move from I just met a prophet to I just met God? That's, a, that's an excellent, uh, excellent question. <laughs> that's right. Why didn't they just recognize him as a prophet, which they do? All the prophets in the Bible are Muslim. Jesus is a Muslim. Uh, a Muslim being one who's submitted to God because Islam means submission, submission to Allah, and the Muslim is someone who's submitted to Allah. So they could they could do that, I suppose. But the ones that I've met, when they see Jesus, they are seeing God incarnate. They don't use that terminology. Okay? There is a word in Arabic for that incarnation, tajassut. But they're not getting a, a download of theology. They're having an encounter with a real person. Later, they can find out why they believe what they believe as they read scripture and as they learn more about the person that they've met in person, uh, Jesus. So, yes, you're right. I mean, they already believe he's a prophet, so why, why, why just in the dream, okay, so a prophet Jesus. But no, it's far more than that, and they realize it. But this is, this is revelatory. They know that they know. They haven't been talked into it. Uh, And I personally am am discipling ex-Muslims that I didn't lead to Christ. Christ appeared to them. And I am only baptizing them and discipling them in the faith. But I didn't lead them to Christ. A dream or vision converted them. She was 18 years old. She had gotten, she's very brilliant. And, and 
very intelligent. She had gotten a scholarship to go to Cambridge. But she also had a experience, profound experience with the Lord. And she went to her pastor there in Egypt and said, I want to get baptized. He said, why do you want to do that? You could get baptized in England. You're going to Cambridge. Uh, because, see, what happens is the Muslims many times will not persecute someone if they're just going to a Christian church. But as soon as that person gets baptized, then they know, well, they've for sure become a Christian. And then the persecution happens. And what happens, like in Egypt, what has happened is many times it's the actual parents that will kill their sons or daughters. In fact, many young girls, like adolescent, teenage girls, have been killed by their their own parents because they've gotten, you know, baptized. They've gotten saved. And so when, when she came to the pastor and said, you know, I want to get baptized, he said, you know, are you sure you know what you're doing? You know, are you sure you know what you're doing? You're going to go to Cambridge now. And, and she said, pastor, I do know what I'm doing. She, he said, are you sure you want to get baptized? She said, if you had seen the vision of Jesus that I had, Pastor, you wouldn't be asking me that question. And she was baptized. And just in a few days, they found her body thrown from the apartment. I believe it was a seventh floor. And they think it was her mother, actually, that threw her from the apartment. This moment to share Christ with a lost person who believes something like Islam believes. How do we see them come to know Jesus? Can you reason out your faith and have conversations and understand where they're coming from? You bet, absolutely, and please do. But most of all, let's go back to the text. What does it say in Leviticus 10.3? I will display my holiness. I will display my power. In the New Testament, when Ananias and Sapphira passed, Acts 5.11, great fear seized all who heard. Here's what we do. We ask God to show off in power. Because they have a system. They have doctrine. They have beliefs. But what they don't have is the power of God. What nobody else has outside of those who have the Holy Spirit is the power of God. We have the power of God. We have something they don't have. What if you said to your, to your Muslim friend or brother, say, what can I pray for you for? So, I, I, I don't, well, I don't, you know, okay, but, but what, I don't believe in the God you believe in. Yeah, I know you don't. But what if I prayed and something happened? I bet in that moment they would begin to at least consider something beyond what they believe. Did you hear that story? That young woman gave her life to Christ and says, no, I'm getting baptized now. And they're like, well, well just wait. Just wait till you go to England so nothing will happen to you. No, 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 no. You didn't see the Jesus I saw. You don't know this, okay? It's not even on the internet. Google and other things shut it down because it's not politically correct. But Muslims are coming to Jesus in nations where they're being persecuted. I know stories over and over, like if you just, if, if you do a little bit of research, you're going to see across the globe, Jesus is literally showing up in dreams and visions to Muslims across the earth, saying, I am the real God, I am the Messiah, and in that very second they believe because they know when God shows up, you know. There's a story I heard from a missionary about a, a group of imams who met in a mosque and they were praying and crying out to, to Allah. And Jesus showed up in the middle of the room and revealed himself and said, I'm the real God. No Christians were in the room or allowed to be, but Jesus showed up. The power of God is real. 
And the only thing that's going to change and shake and move in this world today is the power of God on the move. That's what we have to have. That's what we bring to the table that nobody else brings to the table. And it's not us. It's not like, ooh, I can do a magic trick. No, I can't do anything. But the power of God is real. God actually moves. He is alive. And he wants to touch lives. What if you prayed for their sickness and they were healed? And the God you believe in just became something to consider. What if you prayed for their financial uh, state and God began to bless them? And they began to see he's real. This is real. And this isn't true just for people of Islam. It's true for anybody. People can mock the God you believe in all, all they want, but when they see him move, what can they say? And we've watched God do it. Say, well, uh, God doesn't always heal. Uh, we're not going to unpack all that theology today, but why not cry out to him for it? Because at the very least, if God doesn't do it, they saw the love of Christ poured out and somebody was at least willing to go to God and ask. And let's not make theologies over what God may or may not do. What if we went and said, what if God could restore your kid or your marriage and we just prayed into that with them? I believe we're in a time where God wants to show off, but we have Christians have taken a back seat. See, we're all good with saying, oh, I'll believe in God. You know what? I might even go to church. I'll give a little money. See, we're fine with believing in God, but we don't actually want him to do anything. Because that becomes weird to us and uncomfortable, and I don't know what to do with that. I would rather be uncomfortable and see God move than be comfortable and not know Him. Ask yourself this question, and I mean genuinely ask it. Do you really want to see God move? Are you like, yeah, no, I don't. Let's keep an arm's length on that. Let's not get crazy. going to share a testimony. Some of you have heard it before, but right when I came out of Bible college, I was filled with enough of the spirit and attitude that I was willing to do everything, you know, because you, you think you know everything, and you're fired up for the things of God, and, and just like anybody coming out of college except with God, right? And so, so I, I was working in a warehouse for a tile company, and, and I remember Jekyll Wholesale, and, and I I was, I was bad at that job. I was really bad. Drove a stand-up forklift, and thank God nobody died. But, but the power of God came with me to that job. And I would share my faith all the time. I would offer to pray for guys all the time. And, and I, look, I still do that, but, it, it, you know, I'm a pastor now. A lot of times it's spent on church things. A lot of the people I talk to are church people. They believe what I believe. It's not a miracle to them. They're, they already got it. But, but back then, it was just a neat time of life. And, and I was only at that job like a year. But, but I remember just sharing my faith all the time and, and offering to pray for guys and witnessing them. And some, a lot of them, they, they hated it. They're like, stop telling me about Jesus. Stop it. Stop it. You know? But some, some, like I remember uh, one guy, I, I believe it, it was Bob. And Bob, that day, I said, hey, what's going on, Bob? And, and he said, I'm going to court today. I'm really afraid. I said, well, why? He goes, my ex, she wants to take my kids completely away from me. And I'm really afraid she's going to win. And, 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 and I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't, I don't, it doesn't look good. And my lawyer doesn't think it looks good. So I said, hey, Bob, can I just pray for you? And you know what's interesting? People say yes to you praying for them when they're desperate. And they're like, nope, and I don't want it. Hey, that's not on you, okay? But we're, when you're desperate, you want the power of God. You'll take anything. 
Bob took my prayer that day, and that's the last I heard about him. The next week, I'm in, and, and there was a guy, Stu. Stu hated me. But to be fair, Stu hated all things <laughs> and all people. There was one time Stu walks up to me, and he's like, did you pray for me? And I was like, uh, you know, I pray for you a lot, Stu. And why? He goes, well, I had a headache, and it's gone now. And then he stormed off. <laughs> like, and you're mad at me about this? I don't, I, I, I didn't understand. And that morning, Stu walks up to me and goes, did you hear about Bob? What are you talking about? I haven't heard anything. He goes, he goes, you didn't hear about his court case? No, I, I didn't hear. He goes, Bob went to court that day. And, and he doesn't know what happened, but a miracle happened. He didn't lose his kids. He didn't lose his parents. He gets to keep his kids and see them, and they worked it all out. And he, he, he said, this is because you prayed for him. Yeah, there's a window. That's nothing for what God can do. God can change our hearts. He can change our lives. He can change. He changes everything. We have the power of God. You and I are meant to walk in it. To live by it. To believe Him for big things. Matter of fact, we're going to start a circle very soon. Uh, book by Robert Morris, some of you know, called The God I Never Knew. And it's all about living by the Spirit and what does that actually look like? How do I even live like that? What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about it. We'll tell you more about it as it comes. We'll give you a date and a time. Some of you, I think you didn't even know that was available to you. Or you just forget. We forget. Man, we forget quick, don't we? Two-week news cycle of everything. <laughs> Do you not just save you, but empower you? Not just to live right, but to affect change in the world. And you, you and I won't take the glory. It won't be like, dude, that dude's like a magician. No, it's not us. It's him. I, we can't heal anybody. We can't save anybody. We can't. It's not us. This isn't Scientology. It's not us. It's Jesus. He saves lives. He transforms. He delivers. He forgives. He provides. He redeems. On a dime, he switches everything. That's who he is. And man, we can believe it. We're supposed to. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.